Chapters 11 through 20 of The Keepsake by Anonymous. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sam Stinson. Chapter 11 Spring. Wintry winds no longer blow. Far away are frost and snow. Peeping from its grassy bed, the primrose rears its modest head. Amidst its leaves the violet blue, scents the air, and morning dew. Hark! The skylark mounting high, carols in the clear blue sky. The thrush and blackbird from the spray, chaunt their blithesome roundelay. The little lambkins, safe from harm, in their snow-white fleeces warm, Gamble o'er the sunny mead, and prove their strength, and try their speed. From yon grassy knoll they spring, and chase each other round the ring. To the farmyard we will go, where they milk the hornless cow. Mama will give us wine and cake, and a syllabub will make. Charles and Jane shall hold the bowl, and Margareta milk it full. Each shall join to help the others, like good sisters and good brothers. End of chapter 11. Chapter 12. Summer. What does bounteous summer bring? The lengthened day and shortened night. Milder breezes softly blowing, warmer suns and skies more bright. Long and thick the grass is grown, ready for the mower's care. When his scythe has laid it low, to the hayfield will repair. Each shall have a fork and rake to spread it widely to the sun. Many hands together joined, make the labor quickly done. In the hedge, the woodbine twining fills the air with sweet perfume. The blushing rose, in gay profusion, joins its fragrance and its bloom. In the mossy hedgerow peeps, the strawberry with lowly head. We can quickly fill our baskets with its berries, rosy red. Little Anna dearly loves strawberries red and milk so white. We will carry plenty home, on them she can sup to-night. Anna loves to skip and play, but she can also read and spell. She learns with careful hand to sew, and she deserves her supper well. End of chapter 12 Chapter 13 Autumn Autumn comes, her prospects glow with yellow fields of waving corn. The reaper with his sickle bright hastes to work at early morn. Whilst the morning breezes blow through the burning sultry noon, and till evening dews descend, still he works and labors on. Let us seek the harvest field, there is work for you and me. We can help the sheaves to bind, idle hands we need not be. When Maria's task is done, we will to the nutwood go, each a bag and hooked stick, down to pull the clustered bow. Oh, how tempting ripe they hang! Softly, softly pull them down, lest the bright brown nuts should fall, and leave the empty husk alone. Bags and pockets all are full, and evening says we must not stay. With heavy loads we'll hasten home, and come again another day. These shall be our winter store, when Christmas holidays are come. Then round the fire we'll social be, and give our happy playmates some. 
End of chapter 13. Chapter 14. Winter. Howling through the leafless trees, winter calls his northern breeze. Do not flowerets dare appear in this season of the year? Yes, amidst the wintry scene, the daisy's lowly gem is seen. And though it boasts no varied dyes, the Christmas rose a charm supplies. Then through the frost and through the snow, in a merry group, we'll go. Take our sledges and our skates, winter ne'er for sluggards waits. We'll throw the snowballs far and wide beneath the mountain's hoary side. Or build a giant tall and strong, with shoulders broad and limbs as long as Gog and Magog in Guildhall. There it shall tower above us all, till sun and thaw shall melt its crown, and bring its snowy honours down. And when the darkening evenings come, fast away we'll scamper home, and standing close around the fire, the blazing faggots we'll admire, and sip our milk and work and read, till nurse cries out, To bed, to bed! End of chapter 14 Chapter 15 Anne and Edward, Part 1 Loudly blows the northern wind, and fast the snow descends. Lo, before the driving storm, the slender willow bends. Why on such a dismal night does Anna ope her door, and in her little ragged cloak walk quickly o'er the moor? She hastens to the neighboring town to beg some friendly aid, to save her mother, who so sick and ill in bed is laid. Her little brother by her side will watch whilst Anne's away, and gladly, for his mother's sake, he leaves each favorite play. But see how quickly Anne returns, a cheerful look she wears, and softly underneath her cloak medicine and food she bears. These to her mother day by day, with duteous love she gives, whilst little Edward's cheerful smile her anxious care relieves. End of chapter 15 Chapter 16. Anne and Edward, Part 2. Bright shines the sun, the gentle breeze, and softened murmurs blows, and softly through the verdant mead the little streamlet flows. Close by yon fragrant violet bank, beneath the spreading thorn, his mother's stool and cushioned chair are by young Edward born. And from the lowly cottage door, with feeble steps and slow, Anna supports her mother's frame, as to the bank they go. There, seated on her pillowed chair, she breathes the balmy breeze, whilst Anne and Edward quietly are seated at her knees. With merry hearts they now can meet her kind approving eye, and to her various questions give a cheerful quick reply. They have not now her death to fear, but know that time and care will soon restore their mother dear to their most ardent prayer. End of chapter 16 Chapter 17 George and Edmund Come hither, George, young Edmund cried, come quickly here to me, for yonder floats the little boat upon the swelling sea. Tis fastened by a single rope, and there is each an oar, and were we once but safely in, we soon could push from shore. Oh, go not, Edmund, George replied, the storm is rising fast. The forest bends, the sea spray flies before the howling blast. 
the wind may howl perhaps it does but not so loud as you who always scold and cry out don't when pleasure is in view in anger edmund spoke and turned in pride and scorn away to where the boat so temptingly tossed in the little bay he loosed the rope he seized the oar and vaulted o'er the side and rapidly his little boat flies through the stormy tide the wind is loud the waves are strong and vainly edmund strives to guide his boat which furiously the tempest onward drives his passion gone his fears increase and loud to george he cries he looks he listens calls again but still no george replies in terror now and wild affright all prudence he forgets and springing quick from side to side the boat he oversets his father saw the dreadful plunge his father heard his shriek for george when edmund would not stay some aid had flown to seek with desperate haste he forward springs and throwing off his coat plunges amid the foaming waves to gain the struggling boat he reached its side and diving down seized on poor edmund's hand and senseless through the beating surge he bore him back to land Twas long ere signs of life returned, or he unclosed his eyes, and longer far it was ere he from his sick bed could rise. What anguish and remorse he felt, what tears of sorrow shed! How good, how mild he vowed to be when he should leave his bed! And let us hope his vow he'll keep, become a steady boy, no more his friends or parents grieve, but prove their pride and joy. End of chapter 17 Chapter 18 Fanny Oh, look! the little Fanny cried, as wandering by her mother's side. They passed a cottage neat, though poor, with woodbines clustering round the door. Oh, look, Mama, what lovely flowers I here could stand and gaze for hours! That beauteous rose, those lilies fair, and that gay bed of tulips there. Oh, how I wish they all were mine! They'd make my empty garden shine. Your empty garden? Fanny, pray, have all your flowers been stolen away? Or do you for your neighbors sigh, Because your own you leave to die? The little girl whose flowers these are Watches and prunes them all with care. She rises early, labors hard, And does not toil nor care regard, But thinks her trouble well repaid if she her parents thus can aid. These flowers to market off she takes, and many pence by them she makes. You surely therefore would not strive of this advantage to deprive the grateful child, who takes such pains, to help her parents' scanty gains. But come, my love, we must not stay, that shower will reach us on our way. Come, Fanny, come. Mamma, I will. But Fanny stayed and lingered still, each plant and flower at length being viewed her way she thoughtfully pursued a week had passed when fanny ran to her mamma and thus began mamma when you have time i pray that you would kindly walk this way and let me show you what last night i finished ready for your sight mamma complies and fanny bounds delighted through the verdant grounds with sparkling eye and step elate Open she throws the garden gate, And look, she cries, in joyful tone, What play hours in one week have done! 
no weeds do now my garden spoil the stones i cleared and turned the soil the trees i pruned i planted flowers and watered them with plenteous showers perhaps mamma with time and care some new scathes i may hence prepare for that good girl who takes such pains to help her parents scanty gains End of chapter eighteen chapter nineteen alfred how can i the south from the north ever know when there is no s in the sky oh how can i tell the east from the west when not the least mark i can spy his mother who sat at her work by the fire to alfred's request thus replied come listen to me and i'll soon tell you how the difficult point to decide wherever the sun rises there is the east now that is both easy and clear wherever at evening he sets from your view the west my beloved is there now you know where to find both the west and the east we soon shall discover the rest to the left is the south to the right is the north when your face is turned full to the west end of chapter nineteen chapter twenty william my dear cried his mother to william one day as glowing and panting with heat the parlour he entered in haste and alarm and threw himself down on a seat my dear what misfortune has hurried you now and brought you so soon from your play have you lost your new ball in the field or the pond or has your kite flown far away my ball my dear mother is safe in my desk my kite rides secure in the air but i brought a poor boy whom i left in the hall and who claims your attention and care i found him just now as returning from play i passed by the side of the wood he was stretched on the ground and senseless and pale and his face was all covered with blood oh quick let us go sure we linger too long cried his mother my love lead the way william bounded all eager and soon reached the place where reviving but weak his friend lay his bruises and wounds were examined with care and happy was william to hear that patience in time would restore him to health for his life he had nothing to fear with unwearied attention he sat by his side and anxiously waited to know if in climbing he fell or if mischief was hurt or another had given the blow and as eagerly too did his invalid friend to his mother and william relate the cause of his sufferings and how he was found in so sad and so helpless a state he had hastened he said in his play hour at noon to the strawberry bank in the wood for some ripe ones to take to his sister at home who was ill and they might do her good as he climbed some high rocks in his search for the fruit and held by the trees that hung o'er he slipped the branch broke and he fell to the ground but he knew and remembered no more his name too he told and the place where he lived and quickly young william ran there to tell his good mother her son was now safe and from them would receive every care delighted to hear of her jemmy again she gratefully thanked his kind friend who promised to bring him himself to his home as he knew he would speedily mend end of chapter twenty and also the end of the keepsake by anonymous